This week on the show, we are talking with David Dahlberg from The Open Wheel Show, one of the best ways for new fans to get into and to lay of the land when it comes to open wheel series. We're thankful for David for coming on the show and can't wait for our chat. All right, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Regen, the e-racing podcast, episode 47. I'm your host Dino and joining us this week, if you listen to the intro, is David Dahlberg from The Open Wheel Show. Hello David. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, very excited to, to get into it. And also a man who's absolutely fizzing um, to get on the show and talk about Formula One, even though it's a Formula E show, it's Chris Soulsby. It's physic indeed. Hello, Dino. How are you? Good, good. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely physic. <laughs> I know it's going to be hard to not talk about it, but uh, yeah, we will We will try and get on to uh, media of the week to keep some structure into this episode. So, um, Chris, why don't you start us off with media of the week? Kick it off with a difficult one. So... My media of the week is a little bit different this week. It's a book. And I've nominated books before for this. But it's very rare that I do, because it's very rare that I read. However, about 40 minutes before recording this, I picked up a book that was kindly uh, loaned to me uh, this week, called uh, Elevation by Stephen King. Um, I'm not far into it at all, because I'm a very slow reader. I'm basically six-year-old when reading. Um, but... It's really good. Uh, it's a short story. Well, it looks short. It's only 135 pages and it's double-spaced. So, you know, it's suiting me already. And it's about a man who has a strange condition. And I'm definitely not reading the blurb of the book here. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's about a man with a strange con- condition. And he's losing weight without getting any thinner. And the scales that he's standing on are registering the same weight. You know, even when he's dressed. So I don't know how it's going to go, but it's already gripped me and I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, by Stephen King. I'm a very big Stephen King fan, as you will all know. And yeah, uh, I think it's one to check out, really, because it's it's really drawn me in in such a short space of time. So yeah, do it. Elevation. It sounds like he just needs a new scale. I don't know. That sounds a little strange maybe he does <laughs> maybe that's the, have you just ruined the I'm sorry, no. <laughs> no spoilers spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> sorry, sorry. spoiler alert his scales are knackered I love how you introduced it like you're an FIA accredited journalist six year old reading level <laughs> oh I shouldn't have said that <laughs> edit that for that <laughs> nah it's staying in alright David yeah, so for mine, I've got a book as well. Um, so I just read it recently. It's called A Little Hatred by Joe Abercrombie. It's a fantasy book. It's set in like an existing... He's He's got a whole bunch of books in this first law world is, is sort of what it's called. Um, it's kind of uh, broadly paralleling the Industrial Revolution kind of period, uh, but with a fantasy spin on it. So it, it's, it's really interesting. It's really good. Uh, Abercrombie's writing is really good, uh, and it's very enjoyable. It goes by fast. It's a bit bigger, but it goes by fast. Nice, nice. Um, and mine, um, you know Harley Quinn, who's the 
girlfriend of the Joker. Not to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, this is an animated <laughs> series that follows her misadventures um, with her best fe- her best friend um, slash partner in crime, Poison Ivy, after leaving her ex boyfriend, the Joker. Um, and it's just it's really funny, um, a little bit crude. So there are a few expletives, and also my favourite character is Frank who is Poison Ivy's plant. He's got a real big part in the show, and he's really funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, he's like one of those uh, Venus flytrap sort of sort of plants. He's one of those. So, That's cool. I've seen it advertised, and it looks very good. It's really funny. It is really yeah. good. Yeah, it's a bit stupid, but uh, yeah. So I watched 13 episodes last week, um, so season oh. one, and... Uh, yeah, when I'm away next, I'll smash out season two. So it's been good. And as always, links will be in the show notes for those. Right. Uh, it would be remiss of me not to ask you about the Open Wheel Show, David. So what is the Open Wheel Show? Thanks. Uh, yeah, so the Open Wheel Show, it's it's just sort of uh, a podcast covering every form of open wheel racing that I can get my hands on these days, uh, which is quite a lot. Uh, more and more stuff is getting streamed live, uh, or at least made available afterwards on like YouTube and stuff. So, um, it's kind of hard to keep track of everything. So it's almost more of a method for me to actually do that for myself. <laughs> Just kind of keep track of where everybody is and how things are going in the various series. Right now I've started off with sort of some intro series. Uh, so it's, it might come across as a bit more educational, uh, than it probably will be in the future. Uh, definitely planning to cover, you know, race recaps, that kind of thing but also some driver profiles, track profiles, uh, a little bit of history maybe for not just F1, but things like Super Formula over in Japan or Toyota Racing Series there uh, in, in your neck of the woods. So uh, trying to trying to branch out and get as much covered as possible. Very cool. I really appreciated the different teams and you had sort of a how successful they've been in the past and your thoughts on where the drivers will, will get to this season and um, also good for tracking all the Kiwis' um, progress. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's lots of them. Insert. There's lots of them everywhere. Yeah, there is, which is awesome. Um, there's some good talent coming through. Uh, Liam Lawson and um, Armstrong as well. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, insert your, your country of choice and um, you'll be able to track them as well and see what teams they're in this season. So that was really cool. Future content plans. Is there any... Any uh, future content plans that you can talk to us about? Yeah, so I've got, um, obviously, race recaps for everything, including IndyCar, uh, which kicked off this last weekend as well. So it was a very busy weekend. This is F1, F2, F3, and Indy. Obviously, in the future, there's going to be some Formula E coverage once that gets underway. I can't wait for the the death march of races at Berlin. It's going to be insane. (laughs) And, uh, but aside from that kind of like race recap stuff and introductory stuff, I'm, I'm putting together right now a series on lost tracks. Uh, so tracks that F1 doesn't really race at anymore, anymore. Nobody really races at anymore and whether or not they might be coming back onto the calendar at some point in the future. Uh, Imola being a, a good example of one, uh, maybe coming back. It doesn't sound very likely anymore for F1 this year, but definitely in the future could be we could see races there again so trying to cover some of that some of the history of f1 and, and kind of also looking forward at the same time so nice that would be exciting i'm looking forward to it already 
Um, and of course, what are your social media handles? Where can people find your show? Sure. Uh, so Twitter primarily is, is where I kind of talking a lot at it's at open wheel show on twitter i couldn't fit the the in there uh just because twitter's <laughs> couldn't afford the extra characters for me i guess um <laughs> then there's uh i do have a page on facebook so the open wheel show you can just search for that or link in the show notes i guess uh and also the open wheel show on instagram i haven't posted literally anything on there but i probably will uh here here in the near future Yep. So uh, if he's a good enough guest, then all those links will be in the show notes. Oh, wow. Gee, that's some pressure. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yep. So same treatment here for everyone on the show. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, into some news, because uh, there's plenty of it. Uh, Alex Lynn is back to replace Pascal Verlein at Mahindra for the season six finale. Uh, the death march in Berlin, as David has said. So Alex Lynn, um, this is a this is a good find I've got to say for Mahindra. Alex Lynn, we know he's quick. Uh, he got pole on debut when he first came into the series uh, with Virgin, and he's done some good stuff with Jaguar. Unlucky not to get the seat. What are your thoughts, Chris? We'll come to you first because I think this is a great pickup. Yeah, it is. It's a fantastic uh, signing from Mahindra, um, and I honestly can't think of a more deserving person for it as well. Because Alex Lynn deserves a full-time seat in Formula E, let's face it. And, you know, he had his, his chance with Virgin and briefly in Season 3, full-time in Season 4. They got rid of him. He didn't have a full-time drive, got picked up by Jag. They then let him go. And, you know, he's, he's a driver with a lot of experience in Formula E. He's delivered, and it's his time to shine, really. And, oh, it, it's just exciting. It's nice to see him back where he belongs. It's a fresh opportunity as well because that seat is thoroughly vacant now for season seven as well. And it is a, a chance for him to really get back into the series. And he'll be more prepared this time. You know, he was parachuted in at Jaguar uh, last year when he replaced Nelson Piquet. Um, he'll be prepared with that situation. He'll be more uh, familiar with it. And, you know, we could really see some good things from Alex Lynn and turn uh, get Mahindra's season turned around as well. And I mean, if that isn't exciting, I don't know what is, because I, I honestly can't think of a more deserving person for that chance. No, and I... Maybe Tom Dillman. Yeah, podcast favourite. Shout out to Tom Dillman. Yeah. If he Shout ever listens to, to the show, we're, we're forever hopeful. Um, yeah, give us a thumbs up or something if you do listen to the show. It would make my day, make my year, to be honest. It's been a pretty crap year. Yes, I, I do think Lynn's probably going to beat out D'Ambrosio, um, even though he's just coming into the series um, once again, because he's he's mega quick. He's mega quick, and um, he can pull that car. Um, yeah, I think the car's not stellar, but I think it'll pull, he'll pull it up into the points. Yeah, we'll see some good points from Lynn. I'm looking forward to it because, I mean, he, he's somebody who made a, a, a pretty big impression in the junior formula uh, there for a while, right? He's a, a GP3 champ. Uh, he's won the Macau Grand Prix second in Toyota Racing, I think, um, in 2012 or 2013. Um, so he was he was around and, and doing really well. It seems like he's kind of gotten parachuted into teams that maybe don't serve him very well in the past. Um, I also wonder, though, uh, the one thing that I... I, I wanted to ask you guys actually about this was um 
with his experience in WEC and endurance racing, uh, do you see that translating well into a six races in eight days <laughs> format for, for this stuff? I think he might be um, pretty well positioned to capitalize on that. Yeah, I do, actually. I think <laughs> staying awake is uh, probably going to be a skill um, <laughs> and the endurance needed to yeah, finish all six of these races in such a short period of time. I'm not so sure how um, the demands of the car, I guess it's not going to be as demanding as a Formula One car, but, well, I've never driven anything like that, so, you know, I'm just a dude on a podcast, but I think, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, they do look like they're working hard. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it will uh, help Alex Lynn. You know, you've got, you've got a few guys in Formula E who are driving WEC, uh, you've got uh, Buemi, Collado, Birds dabbled in it. Um, even guys like Alexander Sims have raced in IMSA uh, in the US. So uh, long, long haul races there. And yeah, I think that will uh, benefit because it does keep it uh, rolling on. And I suppose the key thing in endurance racing is, and we all know this from countless Le Mans uh, races over the years, that it's not over until it's over. And over this. Um, massive six-race haul in nine days. Uh, there's going to be very big point swings. Things will happen. Uh, momentum will change. And it's going to be like, very important to keep a lid on these emotions. And for an endurance driver, I'm not saying that the others can't do this, but for an endurance driver who's used to being in a race for the long haul, biding their time and really chipping through it, that could really uh, pay dividends, I think, uh, that certain mindset. And, um, you know, it's not a sprint, is this finale. It's very much a long, a long haul thing um, that will keep going, and it'll be tiring for all parties. But if a driver can really shine in this time and drag a team forward, and you know, lead from the front, it could, it could be really nice. Um, and I think that will translate for some teams. Yeah, I think we've seen some good, patient sort of drives, um, just waiting, biding their time um, for the opportunity to get past. So. Um, Lynn, yeah, a great appointment, um, and looking to looking to really see some some fight, um, so he can get that season seven seat. Try saying that quick, season seven seat. Oh. <laughs> no thanks. Yep, fair enough. Daniel Apt will replace Martin Qua for the remainder of Formula East season six campaign at Neo Triple Three as the Chinese racer sits grounded as a result of travel restrictions by the coronavirus pandemic. This one coming out of the great publication that is Motorsport Week. Did you write this one, Chris? I did write this one, Dino. Ah, well, it was a great read. Yeah, (laughs) no worries, no worries. It was a fun ride. Yep, so a six-race deal for Apt, who will partner the underrated Oliver Turvey uh, in Formula E six-race showdown. In August, so one more month, one month to wait. Um, Daniel Apt is back. After all the controversy and everything, it's great to see him back, to be honest, as he's a good driver, um, and yeah, I think he might be able to push Turvey a bit more than Ma has been. Um, yeah, I like it. It's uh, It was a mistake. Yeah, let's see what he can do in the last six races. David, are you a, a Daniel Apt fan? You know, I... I can't say that I am necessarily. Um, I think he's a solid guy. Like he's a solid racer. Um, but what I'm most interested about in this is, is the fact that 
presumably, you know, Ma's coming back for next season, right? Like nothing has changed on that front. So really this seems to be like maybe just a showcase for him to try and land another seat or has he actually got a chance at unseating Ma there? I, I, I don't really see that happening, but. I would say probably does if he can. I mean, we know he's good around Tempelhof. So regardless of the fact there's going to be three different layouts, I guess it's, um, it is his time to shine. Um, we know Neo's obviously a Chinese manufacturer and it's going to be hard to for them to not have potentially a Chinese driver, but you never know. Turvey might leave. That's a fair point, yeah. I uh, hadn't really thought about that. I mean, Turvey, like you said, I, I am a big Turvey fan. I think he's, he is a bit underrated and deserves you know maybe a better drive than, than Neo can provide, uh, certainly this year and... and who knows? Things change, but probably next year as well. So, um, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I definitely hope that App stays on the grid. I mean, he's been around for so long, and uh, he has these these performances where he really puts it all together and, and can do good things. But um, I think it was a bit unfortunate that uh, Audi let him go and, and the whole sim racing debacle uh, <laughs> that that was. But uh, I'm glad to see him back on the grid, though. Yeah, we won't we won't go back into that. No. But uh, the thing is, his under the Gen Two car, his performances haven't been stellar. It's it's sort of he changed from Gen One to Gen Two, and um, everyone seems to have gotten closer, and the series is a lot more competitive. And I think Chris, you were saying, you know, the guys like Nico Prost and um, Bruno Senna and stuff, just it just felt a bit as soon as there were more quality coming in. Yeah, that's what I see in Daniel App really. I think he's, you know, he's an immense talent talent and on his day, you know, he can he can really shine. We've seen him deliver fantastic results before for that Audi team. Um but Formula E as a championship has reached this level, you know, it's got more manufacturers than any other um championship in the world. It's uh, got top flight drivers, XF one drivers, you know, Le Mans winners, uh, champions in some world uh, World Championship Series. Uh, it's, it's a top flight series now, um, and I think Daniel Apt is was um, slowly starting to look a bit out of his depth. And I think the case study of Nico Prost was quite a good example of that, because um, we saw Prost uh, shine in Formula Two's for, for Formula Two, Formula E's first two seasons. Season three didn't really get any, he didn't finish on the podium once. And then in season four, he really struggled. Um, Some said it was because of the tyres. But he was a man who was out of his depth. And I think we've seen that with Apt, particularly this season. I think he did get a couple of podiums last year. But I mean, this year, he was certainly out of his depth. And Audi would not have kept him, really. We all knew that he was going to be out. Um, But it's nice to see him back at the end of the day. You know, he's a very talented driver. Uh, he's got a lot of experience as well. You know, this guy has started every single E-Pre to date, and fortunately that's a record he can keep until the end of this season at least. Um, and he's been handed this lifeline by Neo. He's very lucky to have it, uh, from my understanding. I think it was between him and PK Jr. for the uh, seat at Neo. Oh. And Mars, uh, oh, I know, right? And Mars uh, grounding has kind of led this opportunity. I don't know if he's got a shot at a season season seven drive. I think Ma is kind of locked in at the team for season seven. Um, shock. 
but it depends on Turvey. But also, this is Oliver Turvey's time to shine as well. You know, arguably, this is probably the toughest teammate he's had. Not to insult Nelson Piquet Jr., but he wasn't on the pace for four years uh, in the series. <laughs> and this is a, ch- a chance for Turvey as well at the end of the day. You know, if he can beat Daniel Apfer and Square, who held that works Audi drive for five and a half years, um, it really shows his credentials too. And I'm, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, what this leads to as well. And obviously, this is a massive chance for Neo. You know, uh, Daniel Abt is very talented in Berlin. One of the most dominant Formula E wins came from Abt in Berlin in season four. And this is their chance to get points in a scenario that's unprecedented for any championship in the world, probably. And, you know, where people will make mistakes and it's more unpredictable. Um, you know, Daniel Abt could really turn their season round. And it needs turning around, unfortunately, let's face it. It does. So a good choice over the likes of podcast favourite Tom Dillman. Oh, um, no, Tom's <laughs> the only one, isn't he? He's, he's the GOAT. He deserves a full-time driving Formula E. It's just a hard no. I like knows. it. It's just no, not a good choice. That is the correct answer. <laughs> that is the correct yeah. answer. Just no. Very no. good. If you're, if you're the Neo team principal... Vincent Wang, I believe, is it? Get Tom in the car, will you? I don't know. It's yeah. In my eyes, it should still be Jerry. Bring back Jerry. Jerry Hughes. Yep. Hashtag bring back Jerry. Yep, that's the one. Okay. So, the FIA has released a long-term Formula E sporting and technical regulations. Motorsport Week once again. Must have pulled these all off the website, Chris. So, each team operational staff will be cut from 20 members to 17, while one remote garage featuring a maximum of six people will be authorised, reducing the carbon footprint of the championship as fewer people attend events. The use of brake discs and pads will also be controlled over the course of a season to reduce cost, while limits on software, bodywork and sensors are also being explored to reduce non-essential spending. Uh, also establishing a logistics working group logistical costs will also be optimized while formula e is also working on redistribution of prize money uh, from the 2021 season ensuring that all competitors can challenge for wins under control costs well let's hope neo are back and some great news williams advanced engineering will supply battery systems for the gen 3 era so they've got that contract back uh, good for williams advanced engineering um, Spark Racing Technology will continue to produce the chassis. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, the biggest one, Hankook Tires. South Korean company replacing Michelin, who have supplied tires since the series inaugural season in 2014. So Hankook, I don't, I mean, I see them around, but uh, they're not too common here in New Zealand. Yep, okay, cool. Um, I'm sure they provide tyres for other series which I'll come to you guys in a minute because you probably know more about that than me um, also the Gen 3 car a significant power increase to 350 kilowatts in qualifying 300 kilowatts in races while in season 8 Formula East current Gen 2 car will see an increased power outage to 220 kilowatts and regenerative braking power will also be increased to 600 kilowatts both front and rear compared to the 250 kilowatt rear only regen which is huge this is Mm -hmm. massive um and i feel this is 
probably going to be these cars are going to find it hard to continue racing on street circuits with that amount of power it just it's gonna get it's gonna get spicy guys thoughts on any of those I mean, it's exciting, uh, to say the least, you know. I mean, Formula E are taking important steps at the moment as a championship. You know, as a result of the whole pandemic, uh, they did implement cost-saving measures uh, for next season with the homologation period, but now they're actively trying to reduce costs um, with limited parts, uh, limited uh, crew members, and then also they're reducing um, tyres, tire allocations on race weekends too you know that's that's big not just financially but also environmentally as well you know they're making it more affordable and more sustainable in doing so and i think that's a it's an important thing to do for the series really uh you know as a a championship that races for a better tomorrow and it's branding yeah that's that's key i think and it's a it's definitely a good way forward and you know that um that desire to really keep it a fair and competitive series where any chance any team has the chance to win or at least get on the podium regardless of financial situation um, that's definitely something a few series can um, aspire to I think um, not naming any Formula One cough, cough. <laughs> and then yeah and then we've got Gen 3 as well you know we've got this new battery um, increased power power outage um, Greater regen as well on 600 kilowatts means that the cars will be able to go faster because there'll be more energy regenerated under braking. Then there's the fast charging capability, which could bring strategy into it. Uh, it's it's very exciting, really. And the cars are said to be lighter. Um, you know, we're looking at a very fast, a seriously fast package when the Gen 3 uh, car does come about. And yeah, that's, that's going to be fascinating on street circuits. I was actually talking to... Um, who was it? Alexander Sims last week about uh, the new rules and regs the day they came out. And this is one of the things he said. He goes, you know, these cars are going to be so fast. He says, you know, we, we do all the racing in one day. We only get a couple of laps to do 250 kilowatts. Uh, and come qualifying, we're going full beans as fast as possible. And he goes, and that feels fast. He, he, you know, the Gen 3 car is going to be crazy quick. Um, and that's exciting. That's very exciting, you know. Uh, I can't wait to see that. It's, it's um, yeah, it's a good step, I think. Yeah. All right. David, any anything from you on this one? Yeah, when, on the note of the speed, I mean, the, the, the thing that I thought about instantly was there was a recent interview with, or like Roundtable or something with Susie Wolf, uh, and one of the things they talked about was the future of Formula E and, and you know, electric being the future and what does this mean for, you know, potentially Formula One in the future? And she came around to this point of at some point Formula E cars should be about as quick as Formula One cars in the future. And at that point it kinda, you know, they'll have to a big crossover event. And I think that this is like a huge step in the right direction for that. I really like the the sort of attention to detail that uh, the FIA has with regards to Formula E and making small changes like reducing the, the the amount of team personnel that are going to the races it doesn't sound like a big thing. It's probably not a big thing from cost cutting perspectives either. I mean, it's just travel expense for three people per team. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, that's still 
uh, or three people per is it per team or per car team i guess yeah yeah so it's i mean it's not that many people not taking those flights but it is some reduction uh it's nice to to get in that direction and it's not a huge cost saving measure because i mean it's already really cheap to race in formula e compared to formula one right i mean the the new the new budget caps in formula one are like 145 million uh and jaguar spent like 12 million i think uh last year i think that figure has been floated around so um, it's not a huge cost-saving measure, but it's really exciting to see them pushing, you know, in that direction. Just ever being mindful of what the core message behind Formula E really is, uh, and I, I really enjoy that. On this note, I, I don't know if you guys saw. There's a Dillbag Gill put out a statement saying that Gen Three should be about fast recharging and how that might be possible with Williams coming back in as the uh, battery supplier. I don't know if you guys saw that or had any thoughts. Yeah, I love it. I think that'd be great. Um, I do want to keep attack mode though. I love I love attack mode, um, but yeah, some some fast recharging. I think it was like thirty seconds. They would be able to charge enough to like make a an actual real big impact in the race. Yeah, uh, um, and thirty seconds that seems crazy. You plug your phone in, you get one percent. You know, thirty <laughs> seconds, hardly one percent. I just amazing. I mean, it seems ambitious, certainly. But uh, like, if they could do that, it would ent- introduce another level of, of strategy and, and maybe make it look a little bit more like motorsport that a lot of people are used to. You know, pit stops are a huge part of, uh, you know, Formula E or Formula One. Sorry, um, IndyCar, uh, Formula E in the past when they had to use the two cars. But uh, you know, I, I think it adds that extra level. I agree, though. They should absolutely keep attack mode. It's one of the the best things in Formula E going. I think. Yeah, I guess you don't you'd only need one guy in the pit box instead of having you know <laughs> ten guys around the car, <laughs> so hold the car stable, put the tires on, yeah. the gun the guys with the guns. You know, um, you just need car, I suppose. one dude waiting there with this big ass hose um, <laughs> to to charge it. It just driver goes into the pit box dude with the host waiting 30 seconds he's waiting there waiting there release right. and the light goes green and it's on again yeah. it'll look weird but yeah um <laughs> yeah i think it's quite cool i think it's quite cool yeah you can hear the smile coming across the microphone right now <laughs> yeah you can it is exciting it is exciting you know and it's it's something that's been talked about for a few years now. I think it was first mentioned in 2018. Um, that's when I first heard about it, at least. And from Mahindra, actually. Um, so, yeah, it's it's exciting to see that you know transition of technology and see that development and actually see something that could get implemented because the technology permits. And that's a massive, massive step forward now. Yeah. Um, also, Hankook, um, we'll go back to the tyres. They... I know they sponsor or are partners in other series. I think they're partners in W series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they they supply W series and uh, DTM. Uh, so yep. it's uh, a big step forward for them. I mean, it's something that they obviously are really interested in pursuing is more involvement in motorsport. Uh, and I mean, this is this is as good as it's going to get. I think for for Hankook, uh, we'll have to see how they go. Uh, and just make sure that they don't have any, you know, technical issues with their tires when they when they come on board. 
Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Alrighty, anything more on those guys? We're going to lose the Michelin man from the podium. Ah, <laughs> oh, what a shame. Is there a Hankook yeah, man? Can they just do like a one-for-one one swap? <laughs> this is a marketing exercise there. Maybe there should be a Hankook man. Yeah, I'm going to cut this out and then send it to Hankook and go, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Have we got news for you? It would be after such a, a brilliant race uh, at the Red Bull ring to not talk about it uh, at the back end of last week. So, uh, guys, thoughts on Formula One being back because it is, it is good. I mean, this is a Formula E show, but dang, I love love me some Formula One. It was an amazing race. Uh, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed every part of that. I mean, the the reliability issues I think is something that maybe a lot of people had kind of given a miss, um, but it is a good reminder that this is the beginning of the season, even though it's July. Uh, and everybody's car broke down, uh, which was fantastic. And uh, that the Lando podium, man, is, is the story of the day. Um, I, I, I wish one day that one of my kids is as happy to see me after getting a podium in a race uh, that he runs at me and jumps on me like Lando jumped on Zach Brown. Um, that was just the, the most adorable thing I've seen in, in Formula One ever, I think. Yeah, that gif is uh, it's out there. I, I couldn't. Yeah. It was almost a tear welling up in my eye when Lando got the podium. I loved his, um, he's, he's such a kid still. Like, he's like, yeah, boy, <laughs> GG. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, <laughs> it was fantastic. He's like, oh, fantastic stuff. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. He was actually doing some streams afterwards. Uh, he went on Twitch and was walking around the, the track and giving people a rundown of where he started on the grid and what it looks like from his perspective. And so he's just, it's just an amazing uh, sort of achievement for a guy that I think uh, represents a lot of the future of, of Formula One, um, maybe more so than some of his other peers. So, Yeah, I've got to say McLaren, they must be loving it right now. They've you know, they've got Daniel Ricciardo on the way, and what a talent Lando Norris is. Oh. The memes, it's the meme team. I mean, they, they need a Reddit uh, sponsorship on the side of that car uh, ASAP. Yeah, there you go, McLaren. You can send David uh, some money for the idea. There you go. Yeah, I appreciate it. Plugging. <laughs> 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 yeah, or Twitch. Yeah, so... Imagine that if they came, you know, came in with the next race as Twitch as the title sponsor. <laughs> well, it's only a matter of time. I feel like they're going to get on one of those cars at some point. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. To be fair, be a good partnership. You know, full time Twitch streamer to uh, F1 podium finisher, as he tweeted at <laughs> uh, some point over the past twenty four hours. So uh, yeah, it was a thoroughly deserved podium, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, have you seen his final lap that he? did of the race yeah. it was perfect there was yeah, nothing wrong was at all yeah yeah and uh i mean that kind of delivering under that kind of pressure is you know it's incredible very good especially for someone so young yeah for sure what did we think of racing point because they were touted as uh the third best car um and for them to sort of follow you know fall away uh stroll coming Coming away with a, a DNF with no power and uh, Perez just falling behind. I know he was on older tires, but uh, yeah, just 
didn't seem like their day. Are we going to see them come back in race two? Yeah, I think I think we'll see them bounce back. Um, it was just a, a difficult race for them. You know, the, the Mercedes powertrain from this powertrain. Good God, Formula E is in the country. Yeah, the powertrain, uh, the, the hybrid. Yeah. All right, that power unit, um, <laughs> the Mercedes power unit is very fragile, it looks like this year, which is a bit, um, you know, a bit of a surprise. And that was uh, Stroll's retirement. But with Perez, I think, you know, this, the strategies just, it just kind of fell away from them, didn't it? Um, you know, they, they missed some opportunities. Uh, they should have put him on the softs. Uh, if they had put him on the softs, he could have, I think he probably would have beaten Norris if they did make that call. But then at the end of the day, he was caught speeding in the pit lane anyway. So, you know, it kind of, it would have fallen down regardless uh, through driver error and team error. But I think they'll bounce back for sure because that is one quick looking car. I don't think this, the second safety car helped them either. No, the sheer, the sheer number of safety cars and, and, in such a short time period as well, I, I think disrupted a lot. Hamilton uh, came out and said that it disrupted his strategy as well uh, to try and take a run at, at Botas there. I think, you know, speaking of like looking at laps, if, if I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see uh, clips of the onboard footage from uh, Vettel and Leclerc uh, in the Ferrari, that car looks basically undrivable like i know vettel's out there saying it's undrivable but it looks like it too it looks like a nightmare uh so for leclerc to get p2 out of all of that mess is pretty impressive as well there were some pictures on twitter um of someone had taken i can't remember who but the steering wheel was opposite lock to the way it was going yeah <laughs> like he looked like he was fighting that car just to, to get it to go in a straight line amazing every every single entry to like t4 on that track he was just uh, opposite lock trying to get it under control uh, he locked up Vettel locked up going into t3 i think half of the laps of the race like it's just ridiculous uh, it looks like a train wreck of a car so it does um hopefully that package that's coming for hungary can sort that out because it's yeah it is not a good car this year yeah it'll be interesting i mean it just yeah I don't have much to say. It was like he was riding a don- driving a donkey, wasn't it? <laughs> That's the exact word I was thinking of uh, earlier today. It's like it's like a it's like an <laughs> old donkey, like a donkey that doesn't want to do uh-huh. anything anymore ever. It's horrible. Yeah. Just no straight line speed, no cornering stability, crap on the brakes, just no. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think Carlos Sainz will be looking at that and going, "Well, please be good. Please be good." <laughs> Please get back to where it was. Yeah. So, any any final bits from you guys? What was your thought on the uh, Hamilton Albon incident in turn four, David? Um, I mean, I don't know. It's so hard because it's like <laughs> uh, second time in three races Hamilton punts Albon off of a podium. Basically, really hard to see. I really, I Albon's probably my favorite driver on the grid at this point. Um, I, I think. Uh, heartbreaking for him at the same time i kind of under i mean again if you look at onboards it it, hamilton's doing as much as he can at that point to avoid contact i think um uh, it did seem to me to be maybe more of a racing incident than not i think it could easily go either way though so like the penalty is the penalty it's it's uh it's fine uh it's not the most egregious call that's ever been made uh a la you know canada last year but 
um, you know, still just heartbreaking for Albin. Uh, but it does show that he has the pace. I think I'm going to be very curious to see uh, the Red Bulls this weekend again at Austria uh, or Styria, as we're going to all call it this this weekend, um, and see how he goes because I think it, it, he's got a lot of pace and he deserves a podium, uh, if not a win. So, yeah, uh, I. I don't know if he'll get a win this year, um, but uh, he, yeah, he'll definitely get a podium for sure. The pace is there from Melbourne, um, but yeah, a tough one to call. Like you say, David, it wasn't an egregious call, but um, and and you know, mid corner, Melbourne was ahead, but yeah, you can see on Lewis's car on board that he was doing all, doing all he could. So yeah, interesting, interesting one, and that sort of gave Bottas uh, a bit more breathing room so I'm happy with that yeah yeah I don't know about I don't know if you know David quite a big Bottas fan yeah I was gonna say it's a a huge day for Bottas fans Uh, it's a huge day for Bottas fans (laughs) another Um, strong start to the season it's good yeah yeah me and the other five around the world um no I'm sure he's got I'm sure he's got heaps I'm sure he's got heaps um I'm sure that Finland's divided between Kimi and himself, so he's got at least half of Finland. All in all, uh, a brilliant race and can't wait to see the next one. So, uh, finally, thank you to Huzu Graphics on Twitter for doing the amazing artwork, um, which we'll see some more of when we get back to Formula E racing. He's working on one at the moment for us. Um, it's a new design, so that'll be quite cool. We are on Twitter at Regen Racing, Instagram at Regen E Racing Pod, as well as Facebook Regen E Racing Pod. And the website, www.regenracingpodcast.com. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. And I'm still going for world domination to be on everything podcasting. Um, Thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it, uh, considering the amount of Formula E podcasts and other amazing ones on offer. Um, And also, if you'd like to donate to the show, it would go towards the artwork and the cost of keeping the website up and running. And if you like us, give us a review. You know, it makes our day um, to see some five-star reviews on Podchaser or iTunes. And if you don't like us, well, don't leave a review. But, yeah, let us know what we're doing wrong and we can hopefully fix it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, David, thank you for coming on. It's been awesome to have you. Um, and we'll have to do this again for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a, it's a good time. Uh, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, best of luck through the death march for you guys too. I'm, I'm sure keeping up with all those races and covering them is going to be difficult. So It is. It's going to be. That is going to be one one hell of a two weeks, I've got to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to have, to have the coffee uh, right beside the desk. Um, to be able to to cover all of those things, so we will have potentially a couple of episodes uh, that will will cover the races. Um, we're not gonna be able to to do like a podcast for every single race, um, but we will get as much coverage as possible. So, with that, thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye. See you. <laughs> yeah, boy. GG. Yeah, no, nailed it.